Hi, I'm Karen Stiller. Welcome to the Faith Today podcast. And I'm Bill Fladeris. Today we're going to be talking about singles and referring to a conversation that Karen had with Carissa Softy and Barry Danilake. Uh, Karen, can you tell us a bit about how that went? Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's fun to me that you said singles because they used the term marrieds a few times, which I thought was interesting to hear the... Fair. <laughs> yeah, the tables flipped a bit. So Barry and Carissa are both appear in the November-December 2023 issue of Faith Today, where we had each of them separately write pieces on singleness in the church from slightly different perspectives. So Barry's piece is a bit more theologically dense, maybe, in a traditional way, but Carissa's is also theological, just written in a very first-person, personal essay-style piece. And it's just both pieces are really helpful and hopeful, and I think a sort of call to attention to the church to stop trying to solve, quote, the problem of singleness. Carissa, in particular, really touches on that in her piece, that singleness is not a problem to be solved, but a life to be lived. That's pretty close to a direct quote from her piece. It just stayed with me so deeply because it was, well, so well written, but also just really a good new thought for me, a woman with a history of trying to fix single people up with each other (laughs) in churches. And I got some little inside intel on that. Not always a great idea. Not always appreciate it. So interestingly, then, the conversation is someone might see the headline for this episode and they might think, oh, this is an episode for singles to listen to. But this is actually an episode for everyone and particularly people who help to lead churches to maybe encourage us to rethink some of the concepts that we use or the impulses and motivations that we have in terms of trying to create community. Is that, am I reading that right? I think that is right. I think that a person who is single listening to this will hear their own stories a little bit and probably hear some of their own thoughts and frustrations and joys. But I think church leadership or married people who attend a church where there are single people can have just a little bit of challenge made to them maybe about how they view the role of everyone in the church, What what is the ideal, quote unquote, And just the idea of what a spiritual family is, a healthy spiritual family, and how we all fit into that, no matter our marital status. So yeah, I really, I enjoyed it. I don't always find it easy to interview two people at one time, I will say that. And I asked um, Chris and Barry, I confessed that to them before we began, and I said, I really want you to interact with each other, you know, as you are comfortable, and let's, you know, create a conversation. And so that is what they did. And it was quite interesting because they don't have the same exact perspective on everything. And there's a moment at the beginning where Barry shares some thoughts about how he views singleness and marriage as a male. And Carissa, you know, offers some corrective thinking. So that was kind of interesting for me to watch. But yeah, it was it was a fun conversation. And I think it's a good companion to the articles. So I would encourage anyone who listens to this and hasn't read the articles to go back later and dig up those articles online or in your copy of hard copy of Faith Today and read them. I think I think you'll want to after listening to this. Well, I think it's a privilege for us to uh, have conversations like this and, and to include multiple voices. So I mm-hmm. think it sounds like it worked out to be excellent. So let's yeah. uh, let's have a listen. 
great. So we have these two great articles in the November-December 2023 issue of Faith Today magazine that form a kind of package about singleness in the church. And we were really excited to deal with this very important and sometimes overlooked topic. And so for me to have both our writers here is very exciting. So Carissa, I want to start with you. In your beautiful essay, you wrote this line, my life changed for the better when I stopped trying to get married. I would love to know how did your life get better? Yeah, wow. I think it got better because I realized I realized more hope. I think my hope for a lot of my life was in getting married, was in a human romance, and when I stopped striving for that it just released me to be free and enjoy the life I actually had I think a lot of people think that wanting to get married and enjoying singleness are mutually exclusive I don't think that they are I still hold a desire that maybe that will happen for me but it's not driving my life it's not dictating every move I'm not filtering all of my decisions through whether they result in marriage or romance for me or not. And that just takes so much pressure off. If your whole life goal is to be married or to find someone and you don't, then everything feels like a failure. And so removing that as like the the ultimate milestone or the ultimate goalpost has just brought so much freedom to enjoy the life I have. Oh, that's beautiful. You also talk about, and I think this plays into this a little bit, that the church didn't teach you how to be a person. It taught you to be a married person. And when I read that, and just thinking about you as a woman in, you know, I think the evangelical subculture, I found myself wondering if there was actually more pressure or a different kind of experience for single women in the church versus single men. And so I wondered, Barry, if you could comment on that and share maybe from your experience. Do you resonate with with what Carissa is saying? And do you think it's different for women and men? I think there are some differences. I recall in Carissa's article, something along the line of waiting for Mr. Wright to swoop down and I thought, as a man, that would not have been my way to describe a search for marriage. I think as a man, often there still is some implicit expectation of men choosing and women being chosen. I think it's more, it's not as old-fashioned as, you know, completely male versus female, but there still is some lingering expectation that the males will choose and the women will be chosen. I would say what is similar is there is typically a a longing in most men to be married that often is accentuated for the physical aspect of marriage. Um, At the same time, I think we often are similar to what Chris is describing in that we may be looking and it, it never comes. The right soulmate, the right partner, never seems to really appear. And so there can be this sense of, God, what do you have for me in this? Yeah, I'm noticing myself bristling. I do feel like there's this narrative of like, 
for men, the physical part might be harder. And I think I want to be careful agreeing to that fully. I don't know what the male experience is, obviously, but I know a lot of women who struggle with the physical part too. And I don't want them to get erased in this conversation because I think, you know, we're talking about the elephant in the room, which is celibacy, um, which is, I think, what sort of plagues this topic in a big way. And I think that's a challenge for women too. I also think the other thing that is a challenge for women is that men aren't told they don't have direct access to God, but women are told that all the time. Women are told that their access to God is through their husband. And so if you don't have a husband, well, what the heck does that mean for you? And so I do think there are some differences in experience that are just due to other theological issues that aren't maybe specifically about singleness. Let me add to that about the theology and that idea of access to God. The other theological thing I've heard, I was going to say thrown out, but that's treating it too casually, but that marriage is a form of sanctification, that marriage sanctifies us. And I wondered how that lands for you as two single people, because obviously you're also being sanctified. Not well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me speak to that. And while I appreciate that the that marriage is a sanctifying relationship for us, it is one of many that God provides. Yes. And through the journey of life, we are sanctified in the whole collection of relationships and interactions and the family of God that God has given us. We're sanctified by our relationships sometimes in the workplace that teach us what we can you know appropriately do and how we respond to colleagues yes we are we are sanctified by many many things so i think it is very problematic to suggest that even the primary purpose of marriage is sanctification because that would suggest that either as singles you know we're perfect and we don't need to be sanctified or right. that we're condemned to being never sanctified because right. we're not married. Yeah. And and of course Jesus and Paul certainly and let's face it the throughout the history of the church and scripture there are single men and women who have traveled the journey of faith and have been very very much focused on the sanctifying journey of life and there's so much that God shapes us in the single journey that plays a sanctifying element that I think is underappreciated so much in the sort of the typical parlance on this. I agree. And I think that actually we're not doing married people a service when we think of it that way either, because I think marriage gets used as a shortcut to stuff we all have to do anyway. Yeah. And if it doesn't serve as a good shortcut, then you have you bring those challenges into your marriage. And so we see a lot of people thinking that their issues with intimacy are just going to be solved through marriage, that right. their issues right. of selfishness are just going to be solved through marriage. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then we wonder why the divorce rate is as high as it is. I think that sanctification is a human issue. It's a Christ-following issue. It's part of the process of becoming. And yes, God might use marriage to rub off some rough edges, but he might not. And those edges still have to come off. Barry, you mentioned uh, Jesus and Paul, and in your article, you talk about the significance of Jesus and Paul writing and being, living lives of single men. Tell us why, why it's important that Jesus and Paul 
were single, uh, and obviously Jesus, more importantly than Paul. Tell us the significance of that. Well, I think the most vital point that merges from Jesus's singleness is when we think about what is necessary to be fully human, what is required to be fully human. I think there is a large narrative in our world, in our secular world, particularly our secular world that has no God, that says you, to be fully human, you need to be in a conjugal relationship. Yeah. And that, I would say, that goes back to Darwin, you know, the survival of the species. It's in Freud. It's in the modern parlance of you find your identity in your sexual relationships. And I think when, what Jesus shows us is that what is fundamental to being human, Hebrews reminds us that Jesus was human. He was like us in every way necessary in order to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what Jesus shows us is that being fully human does not require a conjugal relationship. It doesn't require marriage or physical family. He points us, obviously, to the what does make us ultimately human is being created in the image of God and seeking the fulfillment of that divine human relationship that God has created us for as human beings. And that's what distinguishes us from the animals, by the way. It's not having a sexual relationship. Animals do that too. What defines us unique as human beings is being created in the image of God and being destined for relationship with him. And Jesus models that for us. And I think, you know, the root of that is desire. I think that the the human expression or experience of that is desire. And on this side of heaven, there will always be a certain amount of that desire that is unfulfilled. Like yes. in Ecclesiastes, it says he set eternity in our hearts. We are built for more than can fit into a human life. And so that longing and that desire, I think, again, the world offers sex as something to fill that desire. And I think God offers so much more. He offers himself to fill that desire. And sure, can worship or can expression through conjugal relations be part of that? Of course, but it's a part. It's not the whole. And if we tap into the bigger picture of what it means to desire, what it means to be fulfilled, what it means to worship, I think we're having a much more wholesome conversation that includes more than just married couples or singles. It's all of us. If we're talking about desire, I would like to talk to you about my long held, deeply held desire to fix people up <laughs> who attend our church. It never works out. Um, <laughs> and I wondered if that as a single person in the church, I'm just guessing that happens, that you mentioned, Carissa, about singleness is not a problem to be fixed, but a life to be lived. But it's not just single people who need to believe that. It's a lot of do-gooders like me who think, well, this lovely woman must meet this great guy. Tell me about that experience, which I assume you've had attending church. Is that a good thing, or would you like us all to just stop? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it depends. I think when it's from a place of deficit, that's when it's bothersome. Mm. And it's like, okay. oh, I'm incomplete, and you need to find something to complete me. That's when it feels 
annoying. And that's when it's Hmm. probably not going to work because that's when it's just, here's a man. It doesn't (laughs) matter if you're compatible. It doesn't matter if I think you have mutual interests. It's just a man because you're alone and you should be with a man. That I think is very frustrating. People being aware of other people in their circle who are com- might be compatible or might be interesting. I mean, especially because dating options seem to be so limited to online, that still sounds like it could work out. But again, is it from a being repaired standpoint or is it just inviting into community? And I think the caution, too, is it's really easy to turn everyone of the opposite sex into a prospective partner, which just screws up friendship. It just ruins relationship when all you're looking for is a romantic output. So I don't know. I I think it depends and I wouldn't want to claim to answer on behalf of all singles. But I think if you're looking to fix us instead of fix us up, then stop. Yeah. Can I, can I weigh in on that, Karen? Please. I think, and this is from my own journey as being a singles pastor and being single myself, I think the most important advice I would give somebody who wishes well, um, say a married person who cares for a single in their community, is to listen. Um, Find out not all singles are in the same place. Yeah, You will find that some singles are absolutely, they would love your help, to be honest. There are others who say, I am in a good place. I don't, you know, I find it insulting that you would, you know, you would think that there's something wrong with me. So it seems to me the assumption, the blind spot isn't the desire to help and that there might be some occasions where that's desirable and welcome. It's the assumption that all singles are in the same place. All singles need that completion and so we need to help them solve the problem. And that is just not, it's, it's not the case. And the most, I, again, the most important thing is to get to know the person and say, hey, how are you? Um, if I found somebody that I thought you are interested, are you, know, are you interested in that? Is this something that you would welcome or not? And that way you don't presume that's the place of life that they're at. Because there are, believe it or not, a number of singles who are not looking and don't even want to be regarded as somebody that's looking and in need. I think, too, sometimes people wanting to fix someone up is about their own anxiousness. And it's like, is this like, am I enough for you as a friend that we can just be together? Like, I'm fine hanging out with couples. We're not in Downton Abbey times. We don't have to balance a dinner <laughs> table. Like, is it okay if I come to the party alone or are you awkward by that? And so I think whose anxiety are we solving? And I've also seen many times where the fix up isn't advantageous to me or to the person they're offering it to. It's like, oh, I have this nephew. You'd be so good for him. And it's like, well, his life is in no way together. Like, no, thank you. And so right. what, are, what are we trying to do with the fix up, I think, is an important question. Yeah. Which problem are we trying to solve? <laughs> right. And whose problem are we trying to solve? Yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. Well, let's talk then about spiritual family and community. You both point to this in your pieces, I think, that we can be in community together, like Chrissy just mentioned, the dinner party and being included and warmly embraced. Tell us about that. How can we all do that better? Just lean into that idea of complete spiritual family in a healthier way. I think so much of it has to do with what we celebrate. 
you know, so many natural celebrations are built around a traditional family model. So you get engagement parties, you get wedding showers, you get the wedding, you get baby showers and birthdays and anniversaries and Valentine's Day. And and then, you know, at, in church ministry, it's all geared around kids and youth and it's, it's very family oriented. And I'm no. just, I don't think we need to stop that. I think we need to make space for can we celebrate when I kick butt at work or when I get a promotion? Can we celebrate okay. when someone runs a marathon? Can we celebrate milestones and achievements in an individual life that are outside of those sort of family markers and normalize actually like buying gifts for them? Like think about how much money you spend on gifts for a married person throughout the course of their life. And yet there's not those same opportunities to actually give gifts or to recognize. So how can we make a bigger deal out of life moments that have nothing to do with a relationship status? I think that's a, that's a big way. One of the things that we've done at our church is when you think about Acts, Paul and Barnabas were commissioned, right? They were laying on at hands. We've been more intentional about commissioning some of our singles. I was commissioned for the ministry I'm on. There was laying on of hands. We're commissioning next week another single missionary in our community. We have commissioned those who are called on special assignment. I think it's one example of, I think, of what Carissa is talking about of how do we acknowledge and create other types of ways of celebrating each other that aren't simply marriage and family related. The other thing I would say is, Often it's focus. Think about uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'm always reminding pastors that they're spiritual mothers. Mm. And the, the original British Mother's Day was actually Mothering Sunday when they celebrated the mothering of the church. Cool. And I think, and now, you know, it's become just about physical mothers having kids. That can be a very painful experience for <laughs> single women and single men with Father's Day if we don't think about the spiritual mothering and fathering. So we can broaden some of these family-oriented occasions to think about spiritual family rather than just nuclear family. I think, too, like so much about how it gets mentioned or not mentioned can have an impact. And so I think for a preacher to assume the only human experience is marriage is such a mistake. And I don't think we need necessarily all these sermon series on singleness now, although, I mean, we've had how many on marriage, it wouldn't hurt. But just for a pastor to drop in a, a line that acknowledges that maybe marriage isn't an inevitability, it's just sort of assumed that that's where you'll end up, especially when topics such as purity or sexuality come up. It's like, oh, you save that for a future marriage. Okay, so what do I do if I never get married? Like, just not framing couple them as an inevitability, I think could help be so much more inclusive to a broad range of experience. And I mean, I think about people who have been married and are now divorced and every time this comes up, they feel condemnation or who have been married and now mm -hmm. um, have lost their spouse and feel grief. And so are we acknowledging that there's more states of being for an adult human than marriage? That's right. And one other point to add to that, and I want to be careful. I don't want to be policing language, but I think we need to be sensitive to language. Let me give you a tangible example uh, around Christmas time here. We traditionally at our church would bless 
those in need with food hampers. And for many years, the slogan was, bless a family in need this Christmas. I mentioned one time, I said, when we say bless a family in need, are we saying that if you're single and not in a family, that you're not in need or just that we don't bless you? And there was just an aha moment that that one little bit of communication was communicating way more than we realized as a church. And by changing the language to bless those in need this Christmas, they completely eliminated that problem and that bias. So little things like that can go a long way for how we are intentional about thinking everybody about everybody in the body of Christ, whether they're married, single, in a family, in a blended family, in a single parent family, married without kids, right? All these different realities people have and live, as Carissa said, we, we need to acknowledge and uh, give voice to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think your article, Barry talks about this too. It's It makes it better news for everybody. I, I've written on this too, just You know, the mandate of the Old Testament was be fruitful and multiply. The mandate of the New Testament is go and make disciples. And you talked about how we can all be making disciples. But that's good news for families, too. Like, I think about busy moms who sit and listen to a message about discipleship and just leave with so much guilt. of Like, how am I going to fit discipleship into my life, too? And I remember talking to my friend and I was like, you're doing it. You're raising little disciples. That message was for me. Like, that way of making disciples was for me who doesn't have kids. You're doing it. And so just... I think when we recognize that there's so much more experience, we can speak to that experience. And it's good news for everybody because we don't all have to do it all. That's right. It really strikes me uh, the role of vulnerability here and transparency that might be required by the single person to share what their needs are or to share what their contribution could be and to share things like, I got a promotion at work and I want you to give me a gift <laughs> or whatever these, you know, celebratory or the sorrow too, like, and you know, this is true for all of us, whatever our marital status, but the courage it takes to be transparent and say what we need or what we want or what would help us be healthy in that moment. It is hard to do that and to say that, well, yeah, you know, I would love to be included in your dinner party and you don't need to fix me up with your nephew, Frank. That's such a good point. I've had a married couple that I'm quite close to in my life for a long time. And they're always saying to me, if you ever need anything, like if I say to them, I'm lonely, like, oh, if you ever need us, and then I'll invite them to something. And they're like, oh, we're just gonna have a quiet night in. And I'm like, I'm never gonna say, hey, guys, I'm so lonely tonight. Can I please come over? I'm gonna (laughs) say, want to come over for dinner. Yeah. Like, that's how it's going to sound. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think we have to get better at picking up those cues from each other. Again, this isn't just singles. It's like, wait a second. None of us ever really lead with our vulnerability. We lead with a bid for connection. Yeah. And how can we be more sensitive to those bids for connection? I think that singles in, a, in many ways are sort of the, the canary in the coal mine on a huge issue in the church, which is we suck at friendship. We just suck at friendship. We're good at programs. We suck at friendship. I think singleness experience that first and harder because we don't have a default at home. 
But I know tons of people and couples who also don't have a good community of friends or a solid community of friends. They've got couples that they can go to events with. They don't have friends. And so I think this call to connection and vulnerability is much wider than just singles. It strikes me that sometimes we think of this from the position of like, oh, a married couples have singles over for dinner or include single people in your family celebrations and so on. Again, it's that idea of they need our help right. or something. But we know that unmarried Christians must have lots to offer to you know, the more traditional family structure of a husband and wife and children. So what is the church missing out on when they don't include you, Carissa, or include you, Barry, or include me, Karen, as a newly widowed person in their daily life or their celebrations? What can we bring? What can we contribute that they wouldn't have otherwise? I will just chime in from the standpoint of my own experience. I was in a cell group when I was in Cambridge for five years. And it's the only time I have to say in my life that I've been in a small community group within a church that was truly diverse. We had one married family with kids, just one. We had divorcees. We had widows. We had marrieds without kids or empty nesters. We had one woman that was there without her husband. We had every possible combination. And I think what we realized was what we brought to each other at the table was perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring different points of view. And what we most benefited from was hearing how somebody else could speak into that situation and how they often had creative solutions. Singles often have creative solutions that marrieds never think about because marrieds have assumptions that, you know, the husband and the spouse will always take care of certain things, or they they just make assumptions because that's how they always do things. And I think there is often blind spots that people in different living situations who have struggled past some things can often give perspectives. We also, I believe very much in this idea of spiritual parenting others kids you know we as spiritual parents we encourage we help all those who are growing in the faith right so as we think about being family together as spiritual family there's often many things that singles can advise can support can be friends to maybe a struggling teenager who's just doesn't know how to talk to mom and dad because of of their anger or frustration or their hormones or whatever. But that other person, wow, yeah, I could talk to them because they're single and they're not with mom and dad. They're a little bit like me. So I think there's uh, many ways we can speak into each other's situations. And that gets lost often when families are either strictly involved with themselves, or even when they're just with other families in exactly the same situations. Yeah. I mean, perspective, time, restedness. I mean, I think singles are going to make a lot better decisions than a lot of young parents. Let's be honest, because they're better rested. (laughs) Yeah. A connection to maybe other things that are going on that they have more time for. Like I think about 
singles being able to make connections between people and issues and topics because their viewpoint can maybe be a little bit wider. It's not so honed in on just what's going on at home all the time. Like I said, I think we bring a little bit of maybe a prophetic voice into some of the challenges that are facing the church because I actually think they hit us first in a lot of ways. I think about how singles could have been used during the pandemic, and I just don't think we're like, who knows how to self-soothe, manage emotions, um, withstand being isolated and home alone, understand how to take care and staff their life when they can't rely on people. Like Those are skills that singles had going into the pandemic that a lot of married people didn't have and really suffered for. And if we'd had a better relationship or infrastructure or whatever you want to call it pre-pandemic and have been able to call on those gifts and call on those people in our lives, I think we would have been way better equipped for the isolation we faced because that's the singles bailiwick. We like, I mean, the pandemic was hard for me too, don't get me wrong, especially living alone and not being able to go and connect the way that I usually do. But I was also way more used to it than a lot of my married friends. I'm like, oh yeah, I deal with this a lot. And that was just such a lost opportunity to me where singles could have spoken into the body in a big way. What would be the most important message or insight that you would want a local church to have about, you know, the full inclusion, if I can say that, of marrieds and singles. I like that we're calling them marrieds. Um, how do we create a healthier spiritual family in our congregations? Barry, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Well, it's picking up on a number of things we've already mentioned, quite frankly. It is... Mm -hmm being aware, an intentional awareness of the diversity of our people, a conscious hesitancy to try to fix those that are different from us, particularly those that are single, an intentionality about listening and getting to know and learning how each person is flourishing in what ways and in what ways they're truly struggling so that we can truly listen and be family to one another. And I also think churches should think about every level of their community. Are they uh, engaging singles in their community? So that means, are singles considered eligible for boards, for pastoral positions, for leadership in the church? Is our statements of doctrine single inclusive? Or do we say things like, you know, sexuality is only to be expressed between a man and a woman in marriage? Well, I guess that means, you know, the singles have no sexuality. We, we, right. I mean, just, so things like that, an awareness, an intentional awareness and consciousness of the plurality of our people in our congregation. I would echo that. And, you know, I think if I have to drill down to like a fundamental thing, we got to unhook the gospel from the American dream. Like getting married, the white picket fence, the 2.4 kids, that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. And as long as we keep aiming at that as a church community, aiming at having everyone in these neatly packaged families, we're going to be excluding whether we want to or not. And I think we got to reorient to oh, actually, the gospel is that we're all full humans in Christ, that we are all being sanctified, that we can all be part of a body. Like, the good news is those things. 
And oh, marriage might happen to be part of that. I think it's less trying to find ways to include and more, as Barry said, being sensitive to ways that we're excluding. And I think we exclude when we assume that marriage is the ultimate thing, that that's, you know, that's a symbol of the ultimate thing. It's not the ultimate thing. Carissa and Barry, I just want to thank you so much. So helpful. And I encourage listeners to check out those articles in the November, December 2023 Faith Today, and you can read them at faithtoday.ca as well. So yeah, thank you, Carissa. And thank you, Barry. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.